That was the latest from Lou Reed in his New York album, Call Me Crazy, but I think a one-off Lou Reed Metallica collaboration would be really well-received from the fans. Uh, hopefully something crazy like this could come together sometime. Dave. Yeah? D- you're doing it again. Uh-huh. It's another flashback. We're not actually on 97X. We're not? Unfortunately, no. But we're recording a podcast yes. about our times at 97X, and that's close enough, isn't it? Wait, we did have a name for this, right? Yes, 97X, Rumblings from the Big Bush. And I hate to brag because, you know, like some podcasts have millions of listeners. Mm -hmm. Some have hundreds of listeners. Some have dozens of listeners. Yes. But only a very few Uh have dozen of listeners. Yes, 12. Wow. 12 subscribers. And we're two of them. Well, yes. <laughs> so, well, uh, maybe we have a third one calling in now. Is uh, Steve Baker? Uh, are you there, Steve? Yes, I am. Oh, fantastic! Hold on before you speak. Uh, Doug Baylog's attorneys, uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, sent me this letter. I have to read this before you can speak again. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of Steve Baker's voice. 97X, WXY, or WXY.com without the express written consent of Baylog Broadcasting LLC is prohibited. Cha-ching. Okay, now, now, you're, now you can talk as much as you want, Bake. <laughs> Excellent. Glad to hear that. Yes. Glad to see you still getting money, you know? <laughs> hey, it was great catching up. Damien and I saw you uh, in Oxford uh, this summer. It was kind of a little bit of a mini 97X reunion. Uh as I said before, it was really cool to hear you say 97X, the future of rock and roll, uh, again, because you haven't heard that for such a long time from your voice. So that, that was kind of a fun time. Well, thank you very much. It, it, was a, it was a great time. Anytime you get a bunch of folks that worked in that building together, it, it's always going to be a good time. Uh, everybody looks back on that time with such great you know, uh, happiness and everything else. It's just uh, it's great to get together. I'm getting goosebumps just hearing Steve talk again. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now, a little bit of the history Thanks. of Bake, and you can tell me what's right and what's wrong. Okay. When I met you, it was in 89 or 88, whenever I started there. And you mm-hmm. were there till the end of the terrestrial signal. You did the, the famous sign-off of the terrestrial. Did you have anything to right. do with the dot-com experience? You, it started you know, in my time there. And you know, when, when we first started talking about streaming and everything, it was actually Kevin Cole. Uh, when he came in, that started talking, hey, let's stream and uh, we'll develop more wi- listeners, that sort of thing. Of course, to stream, you have to have the website to go along with it and develop all of that. So Kevin actually got that ball rolling when uh, the short time that he was there. And, uh, you know, it, it was obviously developed into something that was just wildly successful. And, uh, you know, ultimately the FCC had to turn around and say, okay, now how can we monetize this for uh everybody else and you know the record companies and everything else and it made it difficult for small stations like wlxy to continue to do what they did and uh, obviously the angels uh, after the terrestrial thing, signal went uh, silent were able to keep it going for a while now how about the beginning now we heard about you at the end now how did you get your start was it wxy or woxr at the time actually when i got started in radio a long, long, long time ago, out of high school, thought I was going to go to Miami and be a music teacher and that sort of thing. It didn't work out that way. I actually started at what was WOXY, 
It was owned by Rick Stone. It was probably 1978. And uh, was there for about a year and a half and then moved around and came back in 1984. And I had worked in a top 40 country, beautiful music, uh, a little bit of everything. I just finished working two years in Florida at a country music station. And literally, when I moved back to Oxford, my friends knew that the last place I wanted to work was that damn punk rock station. Had never played <laughs> punk rock, had never been anything uh, associated with it. And uh, I had a, a friend of mine from high school that was doing news at the time at uh, WOXY. She's like, yeah, at least come in and do part time. And so I sent my tape in and Steve Stankin, the story I was told anyway, Steve Stankin was listening to my tape. And again, it was country music, me introducing the Bellamy Brothers and whomever <laughs> else, Alabama. And uh, Doug Balog walked by and said, hey, uh, hire that voice. Wow. And so I was doing a weekend shift. Uh, Steve obviously did what Doug said to do. And I was doing a weekend shift, and I did like one weekend, and then the midday guy went on vacation. So I did middays for a week, and the midday guy never came back. <laughs> so there I was. I was a full-time guy. You know, that was 1984 when I came back up here, and 20 years later, I was able to sign off the station and, uh, you know, saw a lot of great people, obviously, and a lot of changes in the broadcast industry. I think that previous midday guy was like the Wally Pip of radio. Like, like he knew, <laughs> I can't come back and follow up the bigger man. Yeah, right. I think he was from the Cleveland area and uh, just decided that maybe radio wasn't for him, at least uh, there, and uh, decided not to come back. And, you know, like I said, the rest is, you know, a lot of fun. His loss was certainly our gain. So you worked there a total of how many years, Steve? 20 years wow. uh, at 97X, 1984 to 2004 when the terrestrial signal went silent. As much as we like to poke fun at the Falcon and uh, Linda Baylog, uh, they're the whole reason that uh, you know I'm able to do what I do today even and uh, really taught me a lot about the broadcast industry. You mentioned what you do today, which you're you're still very heavily involved. When we were at 97X, we would have, mm -hmm. at that time, the Redskins yeah. games for football, yep. basketball, mm -hmm. even hockey. But you're still heavily involved. Tell us about your current role. I am currently the assistant athletic director for broadcasting at Miami University. Still uh, call radio for football, uh, most men's basketball games. But I coordinate all of our broadcasting uh, initiatives. And, you know, that's, that's where it's really changed over the years. I mean, coming in as a total radio guy, within the first year that we were there, we started streaming some video, putting together some video packages, and I knew nothing about television and putting those packages together, so you had to learn in a hurry. And, uh, again, even since uh, 2000, uh, actually I was hired as the director of broadcasting in 2001 and worked both places for three years, you learn a lot about things, and uh, again, it's what I like about my job now is I learn something new every single day. You know, Bake, when uh, when we would talk uh, and you weren't around, uh, the the couple stories that always come up. Uh, and actually, I should first of all say, you know, amen about what you said about Doug and Linda, because you know we all wouldn't have this yeah. music and have this fun. Uh, but the the two things that that always come up uh, for you is. We always say that you're an outstanding play-by-play. -play. We we love you you uh, 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 calling a game. Thank you. But the we also talk about, and this has got to be the only time in the United States that this has ever happened. 
that you would nail the national anthem at Millette Hall, I would hear the microphone <laughs> drop, and you'd come back and go, that was Steve Baker with the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, actually, you know, I, I still do that every now and then. Uh, you know, get asked uh, by the university or, you know, our marketing people, hey, uh, the band's not going to be here tonight, can you do the anthem? And, and I still do that, and it's actually one of the few times that I get to to actually sing, and it's something that I love to do, and uh, it's always a privilege for me. And uh, you know, one of my favorite nights to do the anthem uh, was the last time that UC played in the uh, in Millette Hall, and and got to do that anthem in front of a completely sold out Millette, one of our largest crowds ever, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And you know, I I still enjoy doing that every now and then. Yeah, that's kind of a tough song to just pick up cold. It's like, hey, Bake, the band didn't show up. You're on. Go. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you love doing it, number one. And it, you know, it still keeps me involved in music because that, I mean, initially that was what I had planned to do with my life is to uh, either perform music or teach music. It's just one of those things that kind of keeps me involved in that. There was a period from 1997 to 2001 where WOXY wasn't doing the games so I didn't feel like I could actually go do the games or be involved in it and you know we were kind of micromanaged out of that process so uh, I got involved in musical theater and I did uh, a ton of musical theater around the area in Cincinnati Hamilton Middletown over in Indiana and uh, just had a great time so it's always been something that I've loved so to be able to continue to do that at uh, you know some of the games and perform the anthem is always a privilege. The other uh, uh, thing that always comes up is your voice in Rain Man. I've heard ten different stories. I joined the station about six months after the movie came out, so I wasn't there mm-hmm. for the 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 story of how it happened. I've heard it from four different people and gotten four different uh, answers. How did ninety seven X get in the movie Rain Man? I'll give you my version of it and see if it matches with any of the others. Um, Basically, the producers of Rain Man took the liners from every station in every city that they filmed. So they took the liners of the stations in Cincinnati, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles. And it came down to the fact that Dustin Hoffman loved the way his character could say 97X, the future of rock and roll, and put the bam in there better than any of the other liners. 97X, the future of rock and roll. 97X, bam, the future of rock and roll. 97X, bam, the future of rock and roll. 97X, bam. Future of rock and roll. We are actually we sent a first initial batch of liners to them. They called back and say, Hey, can you send some more? So we sent them a second batch and uh, we actually didn't even know that we were in the movie until the day after the Hollywood premiere. And oh, wow. our Warner Brothers rep at the time called the station and said, hey, you guys are in. So I was lucky enough to go to the Cincinnati premiere and be a part of that. And, of course, you sign uh, the liner away. You sign everything away in perpetuity to the, to the uh, motion picture company. But, uh, you know, we all got 
our little individual paychecks, mine's still hanging on the wall with the signed uh, Rain Man poster from Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, Valerie Galino, and uh, Barry Levinson. So that's my paycheck, and that's uh, one of the things that I'll pass to my kids and hopefully down the line. You know, that matches up with uh, the sto- one of the stories I heard, so now it's official. Until we can uh, get through Doug and Linda's attorneys and maybe get, you know, one of them or both of them on the air, we'll use that as the official. I was going to say, you have to reach out to the attorneys first. Yes, oh, for them, yes. Were you using those liners on 97X, or did you create them just for... Yeah, we were, I mean, the, the liners that we sent to them initially were all directly off the carts. You know, we sent those through, and then they wanted some more, so we cut some more that we actually used on the air. You know, that, that was what we were. I mean, you know, at that time, like the equipment evolved, uh, you know, the production evolved, and Dave uh, is absolutely versed in all of that, uh, and we were able to do more things, but bottom line is we were just using a bunch of synthesizer soundtrack or, you know, effects to create liners and maybe insert a few uh, movie lines that we weren't supposed to insert you know that you know we were able to use to put together our liners yeah i don't remember getting anything signed off on any of those movie lines <laughs> no no nobody did no better to beg forgiveness than ask permission uh, i do remember a yeah, frank yeah. evie spot where we had uh royal crescent mobs get on the bus get on the bus and go to evie's And I remember getting a yeah. phone call, and then the next day we never played that uh, commercial again. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it kills us when we use the local bands in that stuff. Yeah, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> they actually hear it. Steve, what were your fondest memories of your 20 years at 97X? Oh, wow, wow. Definitely the people. I mean, you know, guys like you uh, and, and everybody that ever worked there, the salespeople, Chris Adrian, Susan Shriver, uh, Kathy Lucas. I mean, we're all still Facebook friends today. And uh, the other people that, you know, people didn't necessarily know about, uh, Leanne Ledford, the late Leanne Ledford was one of our great part-time people. Uh, gentleman Jim Mercer and, you know, uh, Gonzo, our first engineer. It was a disaster in there to start with. He made it a bigger disaster, but <laughs> we had more stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we changed the control room uh, right up front. Uh, added a production room that we didn't really have. Uh, we were using the news studio to do commercials and that sort of thing. And uh, then Dave Walrod came around, uh, passed away last year, and really did a nice job of just cleaning things up. We built a brand-new production studio that took us from four-track to eight-track and eventually digital production. And uh, then the new studio that we uh, finished things out in the uh, terrestrial uh, camp you know, when the terrestrial signal ended. But it, it was obviously the people. So many people came through there. Rick Tile, Kevin Couchet, and the list, the list goes on and on. Uh, Julie Maxwell, I can uh, list Barb Abney and uh, Matt Shiverdecker. And it, it is always the people. And, uh, you know, Mike Taylor, uh, you know, just you, you think about those people and what they gave and uh, to the station, but how much they were committed to the music and the lifestyle and how our listeners identified with those people, whether they were on the sales staff or engineering or whatever, they were a part of a huge family that just made a difference in a lot of people's lives. And, and you see that still with, you know, the, the pages on Facebook or the, the groups on Facebook that still talk so much about the radio station. You know, Bake, uh, this timing, we don't know when this will be on, but I was at the uh, Bob Burns Celebration of Life 
And right, right. Bob's mom came up to me and said, uh, oh. you know how much that 97X meant to Bob? And, and I thought that was really cool to hear. Because I think the first album came out in 96. That was, Bob was in, uh, mm-hmm. lead singer of Big in Iowa. Big in Iowa, yeah. I should say that with uh, right. a former uh, 97Xer, Ken Glidewell, Mr. K, too, was in that band. Yeah, and that, that's, uh, that's somebody I should mention because I, when I first started in the 70s in radio, Mr. K was at, you know, at the radio station. And I got to know him then. And then, obviously, when he came back later on. And mm-hmm. uh, just, again, one of those great people that were a part of the radio station. But I found out from Rick House, the guitar player from Big in Iowa, yesterday that... WNKU played Big in Iowa first before 97X. I thought, you're really? kidding me. He goes, nope. I goes, I still have the cassette deck when they played our song and introduced it uh, in NKU. And I thought, wow, that was one of the few times that someone got in underneath us for uh, especially a new good yeah. local band like that. Yeah, especially a local band. That, uh, I give them kudos for that. And yeah. uh, Obviously, they picked up the banner off after the terrestrial signal went dead here. But, uh, you know, that was... That was one of the fun things that we always did was, you know, the local show, whether it was local licks or exposure or whatever, uh, you know, featuring those local bands. And there were so many of them at the time that were doing the type of music that we were going to play anyway and uh, really uh, made the station special, I think, especially to the people here in southwestern Ohio. Yeah, and and I do want to bring up one other name uh, that, that was way before your guys' time, Danny Crash. Oh, Dan Reed, uh, yeah. was one of the first guys mm-hmm. that I worked with. You know, he was in Kim Dine with Mr. K, and, yep. and, you know, they did a lot of different things. But, you know, that guy, again, musically was so in touch with the station and did so many great things uh, to advance uh, the radio station as we went through the years with him. I was hoping he would come back. He couldn't make it back for Bob's uh, celebration. Yeah. But, but right. what was funny is the people that came up to me and talked to me at that event that were listeners that we're still friends with, too. Which I think is really, mm-hmm. really cool too. That the you know the listeners are as passionate as we were. Oh, absolutely, and they cared about everything we did, whether it was the riverboat cruises or the concerts at Bogarts, and you know that that again was one of my favorite things. I was in charge of all the tech and you know making sure everything worked. But you know we put antennas up on Bogarts, on Sentiments Rock City, and even down a river bend to, to pick up the signal so we can go down there. But you know they wanted to have the radio station playing in their in their uh, venues and. It was a lot of fun to, you know, number one, get them involved because they were so passionate about what we did uh, that even the clients and everybody else, uh, the fans just wanted to get it everywhere. And you guys have heard the stories of fans uh, stringing copper wire everywhere just to pick us up. And I think that's a big part of what made the station special. No doubt. Well, we are going to wrap it up now because we have the ground rules. Uh, Our podcast can't be longer than two Bella Lugosi's dead. I was going to say the second one's winding down. Yeah. So, but we do. You know, we're gonna we're gonna set you up for another one sometime too. But but thanks again, Bake. I really appreciate you guys uh, talking about the station and bringing back some great memories. Listen, can you take us out with maybe a little bit of the song "97 Extra Cash Coupons"? No. Oh. <laughs> hey, I wrote that. I get see. I would get some money if you sang that. You know what? Yeah. That that was Linda Baylog's favorite commercial ever. And every year I would say, look, let's not play that again. And she was like, oh, oh yeah, we have to. And, of course, when the boss speaks, everybody else listens. But, yeah, that, well, that was one of those things that I used to do regularly was try and find a jingle for somebody. And when I came up with that, I immediately knew I did the wrong thing. Yes. Oh, same, 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 same. <laughs>
That was fantastic. We so, loved it. Well, hey, Bake, well, uh, thank thanks again, so and, and we are going to catch up with you again soon. Uh, well, then, if you're not going to sing good. that, can we at least get one more Bake liner, you know, without the sound effects? Absolutely. 97X, the future of rock and roll. Oh, I got goosebumps. That's fantastic. <laughs> thanks so much, Steve. We appreciate it. Thank you. All thanks, right, guys. take care.